Hey guys, this is Nick and Ress, and this is She Will Talk With Me. Today we are talking about thriving in chaos and drowning in peace. Yeah, so I essentially, I was on Instagram and I came across this girl that said, some people survive in chaos and that's how they grow. And some people thrive in chaos because that's all they know. And when I saw this, I really was like, wow, that's really beautiful, but also absolutely terrifying. And I'm not 100% sure who wrote this quote. I did a quick Google search and um, people quoted it everyone from like Gandhi to Rosa Parks like it just they they put this quote up to everybody so I'm not really sure who wrote this but I thought this was a really good topic that I actually been seeing a lot in practice lately people who thrive in chaos people who feel like when things are quiet when things are calm it almost feels like they're drowning. They don't know what to do with their calmness. And basically what I've been seeing is a lot of people who are in more calm moments of their life right now because of COVID. And what I mean by calm, it's just like they're not doing the hustle and bustle of life that they usually do. You know, we're not interacting as much socially. They are not out as much, even though I'm in Atlanta and people don't seem to know COVID is a thing I'm still seeing a lot more people who their life has slowed down a lot more and they've been having to sit with themselves a lot more and it's kind of been creating like a panic and while this could be an opportunity for peace for some people I'm seeing a lot of people kind of self-sabotage and instead like choose violence instead like even though this could be a moment of peace they're like all right well let me create some violence let me create some some chaos because I don't know what to do with this amount of peace so that quote that I said at the beginning Nick what does that quote kind of mean for you I think that it kind of means like for me because even like when I go on my self-care things or even when if I get a massage I'm laying there and I'm thinking about everything else that's going on or if I have time to myself I really can't calm myself down sometimes and just enjoy it I'm like thinking of what do I have to do what are some things I have to do but then when I'm staying busy I don't have time to think so it's just like I think I'm better you might think you're better because you're doing stuff but it's when I do have that quiet time it kind of freaks me out at times so for me thriving in chaos is very familiar like even when I was would get a massage and it's so quiet I'm thinking about everything I have to do next and then have the next, or if I have a long time I'm thinking about I'm not thinking about my emotions I'm not thinking about my feelings I'm thinking about what is something that I need to get on this to-do list that it's not even real to-do. It is a to-do list, but sometimes you can sit and be peaceful. But when I'm like busy doing all these different things or going about just things that don't really might not need to get done, I don't have time to think. So it could be like more peaceful because you don't have the time to think. But then when it's silent, I have so much time to think and I get overwhelmed with the thoughts of things that I have to do. Um, so that's the things that I thought about while listening to the listening to you talk about it. Yeah, no, that's definitely kind of where my mind went as well with that because like you, I do not know what to do with myself when I have time off, when I have a break. Like you, when I go on vacation, at least 50% of my vacation is me worrying about something not currently happening me kind of sitting there and be like okay and when I get back home I gotta do this I gotta do this did they I know I left them a message maybe I need to check my email I thought of it from two sides I feel like there's an extreme side to it and then there's a less extreme version of this I feel like on the extreme side I'm thinking more about those who like choose chaos choose drama their whole life is like a telenovela but it doesn't necessarily have to be but it's like chaos is all they know whether that's conscious or unconscious, they can't help but to invite drama into their life all the time. And it's like, there are several points in their life where you're like, hey, that there was some stability right there. You, you, you didn't have to choose violence, but they did. And they did with vengeance. Um, so I think about those. But then on the less extreme side, I think about those who kind of like what you were talking about, which you relate to and I relate to, which is those who just don't really know how to be still. 
those who feel the need to fill their life with stuff. Um, and when I say stuff, I'm not even talking about like material stuff, but with things, they have to constantly be doing something. They constantly be worrying about something. These are those who never really take a vacation break or that work and work and work and work. And then once they get done working, they figure out another project that they can work on. Um, these are the type, yeah. Um, these are people that don't really just, again, they don't know how to be still. And I think with both sides, the extreme and the lesser version, it's people who kind of probably grew up in this, like people who either grew up in drama or people who constantly grew up constantly with issues, things constantly changing. It might've been, you know, parents divorce or there was DV in the home and then parents were divorced and there was struggle financially. Then there was various boyfriend and girlfriends in and out the home that jaws taught constant chaos. And there was troubles in school. Then it was being bullied. Then it was being picked on. Then it was, it was like they constantly had stuff going on. And that was on the more extreme side. But even with those who were like, maybe they were constantly moving. Maybe they were constantly putting activity after activity because, you know, parents worked too much in, it was like either get a babysitter or put them in five after after school activity clubs. And so they never really learned to rest, things like that. They just, in their childhood, they never really were taught that, hey, you can be comfortable doing nothing. They And so now as an adult, it's like you feel uncomfortable when you aren't anxious because anxiety is all you know. Constantly doing is all you know. So with that said, do you relate to any of that? it is I mean I do relate to it being like anxiety it's all that I know and that I and that when I'm calm it doesn't seem familiar for me for real but I want like I think we talked about it before when I said self-care is kind of hard for me because I don't mm-hmm. know how to slow down and I yeah. don't think I know how to slow down altogether probably since I found out I was pregnant ever since then I don't even know when the last time I slowed down and it's like I'm going to slow down because I'm yeah. planning the next thing that I'm going to do with my daughter. Or then after, you know, her dad passed, it was just like planning the next thing to do for us. Like, okay, I'm going to get moved out of my parents. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that next thing, next thing, next thing. And I yeah. don't really feel like I ever slowed down. Or I was just trying to do it to not grieve. And so now I think I'm off of the grief part, but I still sometimes don't feel like I slow down. So, But I'm, trying, I'm just now getting into the point like, you know what, you got to slow down. But it's sad to me that I cannot sit in quietness without about to go crazy. <laughs> or trying to figure out why I can't just be quiet, you know what I mean? So Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I so I just want to throw in, I think people who are in caring or helping people type professions, I think it's just harder for us because even when I do like CEUs for my licensure, there's always a bunch of free CEU classes on self-care. And it's always, I feel like I'm always being hounded with messages. Even when like I worked at the hospital, there would be all these like posters of like, hey, self-care, please remember to not burn yourself out. Sign up for extra hours underneath here. You're like, (laughs) do you want me to sign up for extra shifts or do you want me to have self-care? But I think that's a part of it. I think a lot of people that go into those type of professions, it's hard because you feel the need of service. And when you're a person who feels called to service other people, there's always work that has to be done. And so it's kind of hard if you don't grow up um, with those type of boundaries already set in place, or you just naturally are a person that has you know, real strong boundaries. I think for just people in general, those type of fields, it's really, really hard to practice self-care in general, which is another reason why I'm big on promoting meditation because meditation requires you to still your mind. And the more you meditate, the more comfortable you get with quietness, the more comfortable you get with being by yourself, the more comfortable you get with stillness. I know well, one time I had started to meditate and that's when I was like, oh, it works for me. Like that, mm-hmm. and I felt so much more calm and peaceful. Mm-hmm. I would usually mm-hmm. meditate while either I'm laying like in my room or even I could meditate. I don't know how to say face. <laughs> I was meditating like when I would take a bath because it was like she'd sleep. I could just think about stuff and I could meditate or I would do guided meditations. And I got out that tub feeling so peaceful. Yeah, it's 
like it takes some time when I haven't done it in a while it takes me a while to get back into it but once I get in my groove it it there's a difference like if it's not working don't give up one day it's just gonna click one day it's just gonna click and it's not like this magical feeling you're not floating in the air but all of a sudden you realize oh wait my mind was clear my mind was clear and you'll just notice you're walking through your day a lot calmer you'll notice that when you're stressed you'll go back to that meditation and it will kind of just relieve that stress it doesn't mean that problem went away or anything it's just like but now I feel I can handle it now my mind feels clear my mind does not feel like it's running on caffeine So for me, yes, I definitely relate to a lot of that. I constantly fight the urge to fill my time with stuff and doing things. Kind of like you just was used to anxiety for so long. I thought it was normal (laughs) to be anxious because I feel like all my friends were also highly anxious people. Like I didn't know people who weren't anxious. Um, I wasn't until like I was in my late 30s that I met you know, I became surrounded by people that was just like, huh, anxiety, and you feel it all the time? Like, that's just not when a little thing happens? Like, no, this is life. What are you talking about? That was just like, wasn't, I was very much a grown person when I realized that. And I constantly was just filling up my time with stuff. So I really didn't have free time. Even when I had free time, if I wasn't doing something, I was worrying about something and I felt overwhelmed. And that was pretty much my whole 20s. Like that was my whole 20s. That was my whole teenhood, definitely. That was definitely like my whole 20s. And I had to force myself to get to a point where I'm comfortable doing nothing. And it's still a struggle for me right now. It's something that I'm constantly having to work on. Even like earlier this week, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I need to schedule me a vacation just for myself. And I was looking like when my daughter was going to be with her father and things like that. And I was like, oh, you know, I could get my mom to drop off at her dad's and blah, blah, blah. And like, I talked myself out of it. Like I talked myself out of it. I was just like, well, got to buy a plane ticket. I think you got to get a hotel. I didn't, okay, you're going to go to the beach. What are you going to do on the beach? Because this is how I vacay. I need plans when I vacay. I am not a like, oh, we'll get there and we'll find what we're going to do. Like, no, I have to, I research, I look up where <laughs> I'm looking up different locations we can go to, how far it's away from the hotel or the Airbnb. I plan out, okay, we'll be at the beach for two hours. We're going to have a reservation at the restaurant at six o'clock. That gives us enough time to go home, take a shower, change, put on our makeup, drive to the restaurant. It's only about 30 minutes away. We'll get there about 15 minutes earlier in time and we'll give them about two hours at the restaurant. Then we will go to the carousel. Like I, that's how I vacation. And I got stressed thinking about planning my vacation and I talked myself out of it. And I had to like talk to myself, like, how did you make vacationing a stressful thing? Like, how did you? And I had to like remind myself like, hey, you deserve a break. You've been working really hard. You've been doing a lot of things and you deserve to reward yourself like that. But I... I think I do that because I kind of freak out at the thought of giving myself a break on top of that. I feel the need to have to earn my breaks. I feel the need to have to earn relaxation. I don't, it's a constant thought that I have to fight of, you don't get it, you have to earn it. Which is odd because that's not at all how I parent my child. I am forever trying to give that little girl breaks. I am forever like, please go sit down somewhere. Please, where's your books? <laughs> like, I try meditation with her. I try all sorts of things like that with her. And it's something that I am like, it's it's so different than how I grew up, but it's definitely something I can relate to because like it's it doesn't feel normal to me. So like, this is probably the f- last year was probably the first year where since probably I was like a teenager, I regularly buy books that I read just for pleasure. And I'm a reader. I love reading. I, and, and, and let me just be clear. I love reading, but I love reading things that interest me. I, I feel like when I say things like that, like I love reading people like, oh, so the great gas speed. I'm like, girl, I don't read that shit. Mm-hmm. Like I read, <laughs> no, I'm reading stuff that interests me. I will say shout out to my high school, the high school I went to, they were really big on like a lot of people are neat. They had to read quote unquote American classics like The Great Gatsby. They had to read um, Catcher in a Rye and stuff. I went to a school that was big on diversity. 
So like our classics that we had to read was like Invisible Man. Okay, we had to read book by Hispanic authors. We had to read Don't Get Healthy, I think was one of the ones we had to read. We had to read by indigenous authors and stuff like that. Like we had to read books that we're like, these are classics that does not represent the white heterosexual male perspective or even the white heterosexual female perspective. They wanted to give us diversity, right? You're going to read some Black authors. You're going to read from some Indigenous authors. You're going to read from some Hispanic authors. You're going to read from some gay authors. James Baldwin. You're going to read from some, so I love that. But anyways, with that said, like, for a long time, you know, I love to read. I used to read for, because I thought I had to, <laughs> because I had to. I grew up in a house where I, it was, I had to read a lot. And it was like, cause knowledge, blah, blah, blah. And so for a long time, even when I was like in college and stuff, I, even though I would buy books that weren't like on my study list or whatever, it was because I wanted to show that I was a well-read person. So it wasn't really until last year for the first time in a long time that I bought books where it was like, not cause I want to discuss it with folks or so I could be like, oh. I read this book. Let me tell you all the things I'm learning. I literally just read because I'm like, oh, this interests me. This is cool. This is dope. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so that's like one of the things I had to, I'm like constantly doing now. Like now I'm studying astrology. And so I've been reading a whole bunch of like astrology books. I've been doing little things like that, where it's just like, this is just for me because I enjoy it and I relax and there's no pressure on an outcome type of thing. So with both the extreme and the moderate side, why does this happen? Why do you have people who do not feel, they do not feel comfortable at peace. They do not feel comfortable in stillness. So then one reason is that that's all that person knows. They grew up in very stressful environments. They grew up in high chaotic environments, high anxious environments that um, that kind of became their comfort zone. Even though they hate it, even though they hate feeling anxious, they may hate feeling stressed. That's all they know. And when you take away that anxiety, that stress, it feels odd to them and they don't know how to function in that. Right. In my family, it wasn't like chaotic, but I think it's just like, we have a lot of anxiety and stress. Not stress, just anxiety. My grandma has a lot of anxiety, so I grew up having anxiety. Like, they were always saying, like, Johnny just holds up so much in, or Johnny's always worried about stuff. But I'm like, yeah, I understand that. I don't know if it's going to be, like, generational or what. But, like, my mom has anxiety. My nana has anxiety. So, of course, I had it. So it was hard for me to not thrive in it or just think it's normal because I didn't try to get help for it until I got older but it was just something mm-hmm. that it was just it and then we were always busy like people say all the time like you travel way too much are you always want to go like that's all I knew like I mean it's good that we travel but it, we did do it a lot so it's just like this is what I know like we don't sit down we just keep going we keep going places every weekend it's nothing wrong with that but mm-hmm. as you need to have some time to breathe. <laughs> so it's just all I know. It's not, it wasn't bad things that we were doing, but we always stay busy. Like we, if we're not traveling, we're doing family things, we're doing family outings, we're going to different places. But we never like really sat down and just kept quiet a lot. Cause I think cause my mom worked night. So when she's off, she wants to do stuff and that's fine. But it was just, we're always just busy doing stuff. So when I have journey, I do all these things, go to all these places. Because that's how I know how to show love, or that's how I, I mean, that's how I grew up doing things. And I'm glad that I got the culture and I'm glad I got to do things. But sometimes you might not know how to sit in quietness or peace because you have always been used to just doing something. Yeah. And I think that is one of the things as well as understanding that it doesn't necessarily mean that like chaos meant there was bad things going on in your family or they were doing bad things. No, sometimes it was just normal things that people did not are not normal things, but it was just things that no one knew that's how it would affect you. No one knew like constantly on the go would then create an anxiety for you when you're not. Um, I think that's how it is with a lot of us. I feel like I meet recently I've met a lot of clients who 
have certain things and then uh, when you're like okay well what was childhood like and you're like you know do you think that's connected to childhood they get really offended and they're like no my parents were great blah blah no a lot of us had great parents that did things that weren't bad things it's just that's how our personalities took it on and kind of reacted to that thing they didn't know that was going to happen we didn't know that was going to happen it wasn't a bad thing it's just that's what happened yeah kind of like with you mine was definitely a childhood thing I had a lot a lot of anxiety growing up I just had a lot of stuff going on in my life and again my parents I have amazing parents Uh, my mom and my well I have amazing mom and stepdad my mom and stepdad are amazing people who tried the best they could but uh because a lot of stuff I just because I had so much stuff going up I think it's why it was a learning process for me to learn you know hey and then when things are just still, let things just be still. From like the ages seven and up, like when I was about six or seven, my parents divorced. I moved to another country where I didn't speak the language. It was the first time that like race became a factor to me. Because when you're six or seven, unless someone specifically talks to you about race, you know that like Ashley's skin color isn't the same as yours, but you don't really think about it. You know, it's not really a thing you're aware of. You know, it's like, I know that's a thing. I don't understand why I need to acknowledge it. So around this time, though, because I had moved to another country in the area I was living, there wasn't a lot of Black people. And anyway, race became a thing for the first time. And then no one actually talked to me about it. So I was like six, seven, trying to figure out, like, why are people mean to me? (laughs) Why? Why? why is the texture of my hair conversation? Like, it was just like the first time this ever became a thing to me. I had to deal with that by myself. I was there with my biological father um, and my biological father. He just, he's not a nurturing person. He's, he just doesn't have a nurturing personality type. So I really dealt with that on my own. And yeah, I just really dealt with that type of stuff that I was experiencing in school on my own. Then by the time I came back to the U.S., I felt so alienated for the first couple of years I was back because I missed out on a lot of cultural milestones. Like I was living in Mexico. So at the time when I was living in Mexico, like I was being introduced to like Shakira. Okay. I was being introduced to um, popular Hispanic acts and stuff like that. Um, Of course they had Backstreet Boys and stuff like that and stuff I was aware of, but hip hop wasn't making it big down there at that time. So I knew Shakira. I knew I was watching Friends. I was uh, <laughs> I was familiar with Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, but like a lot of Black cultural things, I was not exposed to because it wasn't like I could just turn on the TV. It was on UPN. It wasn't just on my regular TV station. I'm sure my dad could order a special package or whatever. But like, so I came back to the U.S. and like. People was like teasing me because I didn't know about Martin. Like people were (laughs) like, there was a lot of black cultural things that I had to catch up on years later. And so like, that was hard for me because like, there was like a, just a period, there was a couple of years where like, I just, I, 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 it was me trying to catch up on the culture, feeling really alienated about that. And then when I was around 12 or 13, my brother died. And when he passed away, of course, that changed a lot of things that created a huge shift in my family. That was really hard on my mother. That was really hard on my stepfather. That was really extremely, extremely hard on my eldest brother, Earl. It's something that to this day affects him heavily you know and my brother's been dead for almost 20 years now and so it just created a huge shift that created a lot of stress my mom had lost her sister around the same time she lost my brother on top of that my aunt passed very quickly by the time we find out she had cancer she passed very shortly afterwards my mom was going through something in her career at the time. We had some financial issues and so forth going on. Like it was just a lot of stuff. Um, You know, we went from, at one point in time, I was living in a house that had a seven bedroom house with an indoor pool to having to go two, three years without Christmas, you know? And I was young and I didn't really understand what was going on. No one also talked to me about that. So things like that, like my parents were good parents. They did all that they could and they sacrificed so much. And like one of the things I learned from my dad, my dad had 
uh, a bachelor's degree, two masters. At the time, he was to get, he had a, completed his course study for his PhD, but he was ABD, which means he didn't do his dissertation. But my dad did all that. And because of all the stuff that was going on, my dad could not find a job. My dad went and worked shoveling coal at a coal factory for two years with all that education. And that was something that to this day, I remember with fondness because I've always been like, and that's the type of man I want. That's the type of man I want to marry. Not my father. Lord knows I do not want to marry anyone. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's issues for me and my therapist. But I'm, but I've always looked up to him for that. And I've always said that that's going to be the most important trait for me is that a man who will put aside his ego and do whatever he has to do for his family. Because at that time, I remember having family members that was like, you got all this education. Why is he working at the, because that was the only people that would hire him at the time. He did that for two years, like no complaints or anything. He was like, but. My baby gonna eat. But with that said, that's a lot to go on between ages seven and 15. So I had a lot of stuff going on and it was just so much anxiety that when things started to calm down and get better, because that was such a big part of my childhood, it created anxiety in me of me always wanting to kind of be like, when is the other shoe going to drop? Because whenever we had a high for a long period, it was like high, low, high, low, high, low, high, low. And Unfortunately, no one really sat down and talked to me about it. So I was just like figuring it out, which is why guys, it's so important to talk to your kids. Right now I do therapy and I have a couple of kid clients and you would be surprised what these kids think. I am constantly in session with kids that are just like, and this is just a random off made up scenario, but with kids that are just like, yeah, you know, and so um, mommy coughing so I think mommy's gonna die you're like mommy's gonna die and they're like yeah because I heard mommy tell grandma you know the coughing man the COVID the COVID killing everybody so yeah I'm crying because mommy's gonna die like you y'all have to talk to these kids okay <laughs> like these kids they pick up on little stuff and nobody talks to them and they just carry this pain around <laughs> Yeah, and then finally an adult talks to them and they're like, wait, why do you think two plus two is 25? And you're just like, because nobody sat and talked to the child. Anyways, that's, yeah. But that's kind of how it was for me where I no one really sat me down. And some of those things you can't really explain, but on top of that, like, I just was coming up with my own things. So it just created a whole bunch of anxiety for me. And it's also why I created detachment for me why it became so easy for me to detach because I was always in chaos that it was like either I am going to be so anxious that I can't function or I have to learn to detach from my emotions in order to survive but the problem with detachment at least for me I can't detach during calmness I can only detach it during chaos and so that creates a problem with me having to learn to be still in calmness because detached, that means my, my, my emotions go on autopilot. I don't have to do much. I don't have to focus on it. I don't even know what's going on with my emotions. But when I'm in calmness, since I can't detach, all the emotions are flooding in. Which is why I, in the past, I tend to turn to, okay, let me occupy myself with stuff. Let me occupy myself with work. Let me make myself so anxious so I can kick into that detachment area. Mm -hmm. So another reason why this happens is because um, there are some people who believe this is just their fate, that they were born in chaos and that's what life is going to be for them and they have no way out of this um and these are the people who you know kind of been told this all their life or for some people it's not even that they've been told it just seems like that's what they've been shown that there was a point in time that they hmm? it's over and over and they never seem like coming Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw this a lot with former clients. I have worked with individuals who are sex workers. I have worked with individuals who have been in and out the criminal justice system um, since they were like teenagers. And I've met a lot of clients in both of these populations that 
very early on were told by people, this is who you are, this is your lot in life, and that's what it is. And it wasn't until years later that someone told them or a situation happened where they realized like, I don't have to live in the chaos. This is a choice. I don't have to, this is not predestined. I am not predestined for chaos. The next one is you take on other people's drama. I think this is me. Sometimes when I when I'm close to people, family, friends, anybody, I'll usually take on not all the time, but I I have found myself taking on other people's drama and then making that mine or how can I fix this for them? And sometimes they're not ready to fix it for themselves. And that was we were more close friends because we grew up together in church and she was just going through a lot of things but she had mental illness going on too and and I don't know how I just took it on but that really burned me out like her mental illness and me trying to save her from herself I recall this just relying on me like I'm the savior it just broke me it just took me to another place and it's like you cannot be this for that person and you have your whole life to deal you I had a I think I was pregnant at the time or I was about to I did have a child and when I have a child it's like now I have a whole child and a whole life I cannot deal with your problems anymore and I had to it was back to another episode we talked about with boundaries but when you take on the drama of other people that causes chaos within yourself as well another one is you like not having peace um, I can't really relate but I think it's just like when you're so used to not having peace it's like this is a good place I don't know a good place for you to work your way out of or it's a challenge and it's I think maybe it's a challenge for people like I don't know Mm -hmm. well I think with this one you have those people who have confrontational personalities where they like they just they like drama there are some people who like drama there's some people who like aggression there's some people who are hyper masculine that like disturbing the peace you have those who are the menace of to society and they like being the menace to society Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's where they thrive at and that could be Mm -hmm. all they knew forever like that was their parents to them Mm mm-hmm one of the other ones is uh, that some people some people feel like the whole chaotic thing is their personality like they think it's the thing that makes them exciting that they always have drama that that's what they're known for they're always in the midst of something they're always in a mess they're like I'm so chaotic you see this sometimes with people there was a period of time where it was like mental health was catchy like people were using it for aesthetics used to see like all the time on the like lol i'm so crazy like people used to just post stuff about it all the time on instagram and so forth and not everybody because don't get me wrong like i have a whole folder on my personal instagram account that's nothing but mental health memes and i like them because i can relate to a lot of them not all of them but i can relate to a lot of them and i'm just like lol because i find humor the best way to ease pain so not all the time but there definitely was a period of time where it felt like people were using mental illness as like like aesthetics like oh I'm so crazy like that's my personality I'm just so crazy I'm so chaotic and this is really speaking to those people where it's like that's all they know about themselves and so they just embrace it like they don't want to change because this is all they know about themselves is that they're chaotic that they're drama filled and they think it's like okay well that's what people know so that's what I'm gonna give people and because it's their identity they don't want to let go of it yeah, so for these people, it's like their identity is how they get notoriety and they don't want to let it go because that's the only thing they feel like they can offer is the drama, is the nonstopness. That's who they are and they don't want to let go of that. Now, another one is that some people really don't know what to do without that drama. They don't know what to do without the constant stuff. They don't know what life looks like to not be chaotic for some of us we're like if I had some time some peace I would I would lay out on the beach I would write that book I'm always talking about I would go back to school but for these individuals it's like I don't know Mm, invite some more drama oh no way I can't do that 
uh, create some drama. No, they said, I can't create drama. Like, it's like their mind keeps going back to that. And even those who are on the lesser side, where it's maybe not creating drama, but just not knowing how to be still, it's a matter of, I don't even know what that looks like. It's a matter of, okay, and if I have this whole piece, what do I do with that? And it's the whole part of not knowing what, because when this is your whole life, it's hard to just automatically make that change. And it's scary not knowing. You're about to step into this pace where it's like, okay, I don't know what this means. I don't, I'm, I'm changing everything I know about how I operate. So how do you stop this? If you are a person, you're like, okay, either I create chaos I don't know how to be without drama or maybe you're on the lesser side and you're like I just don't know how to be in peace I have to create stuff I have to overwork stuff I have to create anxiety I don't know how to be in peace how do I stop well the first thing you do is be honest with yourself about the role you play in avoiding peace this means be honest is it everybody is it the universe is it the world are you a victim of circumstances or do you have moments where you could actually just sit and try to focus on learning to meditate and instead you call your ex is it that people just keep bringing stuff to you or is it a matter of you don't have boundaries and instead of telling people no I have to do what's best for my own mental health I can't be responsible for your decisions and your choices and instead you are like okay and inviting that in when you literally did not have to are you learning to heal and just go on your own life and focus on your greater good are you still stalking that woman's page (laughs) like what roles are you playing in this that's a guilty thing. I know sometimes, you know, it talks about, oh, I'm just bored, so I just text them. Or it's just like, okay, he was not bothering you, was not talking to him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> why are we thriving in that? Yes, that's that honesty right there. Oh, yeah. I especially think about this when there are people who keep getting back in relationships that were very chaotic, and I'm just like, but why? For three whole months, you did not have to get a lawyer. Like, why Why would we go back to that? Or you did not set anybody's furniture on fire. Wasn't that nice? <laughs> like, I don't, why do we keep, why do we keep inviting this back into our life? Right. Next would be practicing mindfulness. This is being in the present, being in the present moment this goes kind of back to meditation but even beyond that when we're talking about being in the present that is not allowing our thoughts to be controlled by the past or creating anxiety by worrying about the future letting us be in the here and now what is going on here and now how am i feeling here and now why am i feeling this here and now You can look up YouTube videos on mindfulness. There's lots of books and resources on mindfulness, but a great way to just start mindfulness is checking in with yourself and going, okay, what is going on now? These are the things I'm currently dealing with. How am I feeling about these things? Okay, why am I feeling this way about these things? What are my emotions on these things? And allowing yourself to just focus on now, those things happening in the present moment. And that will allow you to really kind of control some of that anxiety. Now, of course, this doesn't always help if you're in the middle of a very anxious situation, practicing this mindfulness when you do have moments of stillness instead of filling up that moments of stillness with anxieties or with other things. This one is actively ask yourself, why are you choosing to involve yourself in a situation before getting involved? I guess this can go back to my example where it's just like, that person really needs my help or, but is that thing bringing you chaos? Or am I, if I do this, would this bring me chaos or would this bring me peace? And then you don't have to even involve yourself in some situations. And, and I think that's where you're saying where you're trying to chaos where you could just be relaxing and enjoy your peaceful time I think that's what I'm trying to get from it um you just ask yourself before you do those things what is this going to bring me out of what am I getting out of this or does this person really need me to get into this situation even need it 
I I 100% agree with that. I think kind of like we were saying with that uh, earlier, where it's like, why do you keep getting involved with this person? Is it really because you love them? Y'all think y'all can work or is it because you're bored? Is it really because like, this is the love of your life? This is your twin flame? Or is it because you miss having excitement? Because sometimes it'd be like you said, why are we starting chaos? Like, you know, a person's kind of not toxic, but kind of. And you're like, let me just call them back. No. Mm-hmm. So just, just checking yourself when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, it's not even the person sometimes you are the toxic one <laughs> like let me stop interrupting that man and his healing journey let me stop let me stop dis- disrupting that woman on her way to wellness yeah that is true that is true and i've been on both ends of the stick so yes oh, yeah. <laughs> okay um learning your attachment style and does it need adjustment i know assessment style and if they need to be adjusted um sometimes you could be like dismissive or disorganized it's it's all different we're going to discuss them but just learning what they are and what they mean um and does this work for you and does this bring you peace or does this bring you chaos um and working through that yeah so if you go back to season one we kind of have one of our like first two or three four episodes (laughs) i can't recall right now one of the first episodes we did was on attachment styles and enneagrams and personality tests and things like that and when we talked about attachment styles what we talked about is secure attachment that is the attachment style that you want to have this is the healthiest type of attachment you can have and a lot of times people who struggles in moments of calmness are people who do not have secure attachment styles okay people with secure attachments are people who grew up in environments that encourage trust in others these are people who have a healthy view of themselves these are people who are in tune with their own emotions and they know how to manage their emotions in healthy ways Now, there's three other types of attachment styles, and it really depends. Just let me put this out there. If you Google it, you might find a couple different ones. Like there's some that say dismissive. There's some that say avoidant. There's some that say dismissive avoidant because over time, different psychologists over time have have added words together or changed them around a little bit, but they're all pretty much the same things. I'm going to go with the ones that I'm familiar with, the ones that I studied, the way it was taught to me in school. So the other ones are anxious preoccupied, which is people who struggle with security. Um, These people struggle with feeling insecure. They have a big feel of abandonment. They fear of being alone. These are people who kind of go into survivor mode and the whole kind of like doing things out of just trying to maintain. Then you also have people with dismissive or avoidant attachment styles. These are people also with some insecurities. And these are people who are very anxious. These are the people who have that fight or flight response. Kind of like when a situation happens, they either gonna start a fight or they just gonna go ghost on you. They just gonna disappear. These are people who are super independent and these are people who have a lot of trust issues. And then you also have this organized attached which these are people that have very chaotic inner experiences okay these are people who typically in relationships they have this push pull type of relationship where they want you that you come back and they don't want you that they beg for you back and they don't and they on again off again relationships these are people that might have suffered with their self-image all of our attachment styles stem from things that we learned in our childhood in relation to our relationship with our parents and our relationship with the world around us. By healing these attachment styles, we move to a healthy attachment, that secure attachment that I was talking about, and you move from inner chaos to inner peace. Now, I talked about this before. I really, for a long time, struggled with a dismissive, avoidant attachment style. That detachment I talk about all the time, the dissociation I talk about all the time, that's that fight or flight response. For some people, they're response is to automatically go in fight mode this is the people that always want to pick a fight that always want to start something that's always aggressive and you're just like what but then on the flip side you have those who just emotionally detach and then you're like yeah they were here and all of a sudden like they are like really emotionally unresponsive and they uh ghosted me or they just you know all of a sudden just stop caring that's that flight response also that super independence 
what goes along with that distrust. This is people who have maybe had their trust broken a lot of times in childhood. And it might not even be broken. It might just be they had a lot of things happen in childhood where it made them feel like I have to handle this if I want this to get handled. And it's not even necessarily that there was people that lied to them a lot or anything like that. It could just be they had a chaotic childhood. And so they felt the need to handle things because when they left things up to the world, the world was just very chaotic. Now, there's tons of quizzes online you can do that will tell you your attachment style. Um, when you learn about it, you learn these things and you learn to work on them. And I want to just say quickly, don't shy away from that word insecure. We hear the word insecure and we automatically think low self-esteem and you let people walk all over you. That's not me, blah, blah, blah. And I find that that's how people view the word insecure in its entirety. But it's so much more to that. When you have a weak boundaries, that's a form of insecurity. When you feel the need to go into a fight or flight when responding to people about an emotional situation, that is also a form of insecurity because you're doing that out of a way to protect yourself because you don't feel like standing your ground in that and being true and vulnerable is going to turn out the way you want it to turn out. And so you, it's, it's that the fear of vulnerability is a insecurity. I want us to get beyond thinking insecurity just has to do with relationships, just have to do with you let people walk over you or you don't think you're pretty. It's such a broader term than that. But once you realize, yeah, but figure out what your attachment style is. And then once you figure it out, there are tons of books, there's tons of websites, there's tons of podcasts and stuff that specifically talk about that particular attachment style and ways to heal it. Because once you start healing that, you will start healing your need for chaos. You will start healing your need to be constantly doing stuff, constant anxiety. You will be okay with peace and calmness because you have inner peace and you have inner calmness. So when you learn to express yourself, you learn to express your feelings, you learn to deal with moments of uncomfortableness, you learn to be, you learn self-assurance, you learn that yes, while everybody's not safe, not everyone is unsafe. You learn to trust yourself and you learn vulnerability does not mean self-destruction. That is how you move to the path of healing. That is how you move to the path of being okay with peace and quiet in your life. Now, a quick therapist trick that might be helpful to somebody out there is write yourself a letter. Write yourself a letter about everything you feel that was unjustly done to you. After you write that letter, and I have time to write this letter when you do this because it might be, it could come really emotional. I found that when people do this, it becomes a very emotional thing for them. But after you write that letter, now go back with a red marker or pen and cross out everything that you wrote on that letter that is an assumption. Cross out everything that you wrote that you do not know firsthand that that's exactly what happened, that's exactly why it happened, that that's the 100% fact of how that situation played out. For example, you might write, mother never loved me. You might write, X made me not feel good enough. You might write, I was passed over for XX job because of I wasn't smart enough, okay? Well, when you take that red pen that your mother did not love you, unless your mother came to you and straight up told you that, that's an assumption. The truth of the matter is that is an assumption. Your mom just may not have known how to love you how to love you properly, but it does not mean she did not love you. Your assumption is that she did not. Your ex made you feel less than. We're also going to cross that out because that might not have been their attention. That's how we felt, but that was not what they, we do not know that's what they were trying to do. That ex made, that girl might have had inner demons, but she don't love herself. So she cheats and she gets multiple people because she needs multiple people to, to validate her self-worth. It had nothing to do with you. So we're going to cross that out in red. Now, again, some of us had trash people in our life that straight up be like, and I cheated because you horrible. And you know what? They trash. That's why. Keep that on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
it's fine. Put their name in a jar and go about your life. But they, this is for the assumptions. And the reason why sometimes some therapists use this is because it helps you go back and look at the list. After you mark off every assumption, usually for most people, you'll realize a lot of the things that you're angry about and holding on to are just the way that you view things and not the fact of what things are. And then once you realize like, okay, half my page is red marked, you can practice the art of letting go because it, it truly you're holding on to how you felt about a situation, not exactly what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big help also in learning to have peace, understanding that my feelings are valid, but my feelings are not facts. And while I can feel my feelings and I can explore my feelings, I am not going to operate out of my feelings because they, again, are not facts. Now, after you do all that, see how looking at those assumptions, understanding everything I just said, how that changes your story, how that changes the story of you and how the story of why you need to hold on to those things. And then on a positive side, I do like to encourage people to, in practice, to then follow up with a story of all the things that they have not done that they want, and then follow up in with a, I like to do green or blue pin on the other side of that, how to get those things. How do I get these things in my life? How do I track this experience into my life? Now, quickly before we leave, I just want to say, understand that thriving in chaos is not always a bad thing. Sometimes literally life is chaotic. We have no control over it. And it does not mean you have to drown in that chaos. You can still thrive in it. It becomes a bad thing when thriving in chaos is your way of life. Your whole life should not be, yes, your whole life should not be chaotic. The ability to thrive in chaos can be a skill it can be a unique skill but it should not be your way of life and to end on that make you want to put anything else in yeah just don't make thriving in chaos be your end all um, yeah. or this is normal know that you can get through that set your boundaries and i think that's all all righty guys so that is the end of our episode hopefully you guys really enjoyed and we'll have a new episode for you next thursday please don't forget follow us on instagram she wolf alchemy like comment share the page share our uh, podcast with others also leave us a review on apple Podcasts if you can if you got bad things to say how about you keep those to yourself okay all right Mm -hmm. you know i'm growing but don't try me and And other than that, you will hear the sound of our voice with a new topic, new episode next Thursday. Bye.